So, it is my great pleasure to be able to announce our next speaker. For those of you who have been to previous congresses, Tobias Engel has been presenting at 18C3 on the short message service protocols and on 25C3 on locating phones with SS7 through SMS routing. And as Tobias is an intimate friend and foe of diverse protocols and their implementations, I'm much looking forward to see what he has found today in his talk, SS7 Locate, Track and Manipulate. So please join me and give a very warm welcome to Tobias Engel. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, as uh, Andreas already said, um, I want to talk about um, further security issues with um, SS7 today. So, um, why should you care? Everybody who has a phone in his pocket indirectly uses SS7. And I'm going to talk about how your every movement can be tracked all over the world and how people can intercept your calls, man in the middle them, and your short messages, and all of that only by knowing your phone number. Okay, one thing in, adv in advance. Um, a few weeks ago, Carsten Noel contacted me. He has the talk after this one. Um, and we realized that his company and uh, I did a lot of parallel research over this year. So um, we kind of split, split up the topics a little bit. Um, and also, uh, as I was made of uh, was uh, was I made aware of only two days ago, uh, two Russians, Sergei Pusankov and Dmitry Kurbatov, um, already presented in that, uh, on that subject in May and uh, talked a lot about the same issues. Um, so it really seems 2014 is the year of the SS7 research. Okay, how did this talk come together? Um, Earlier this year, a journalist contacted me from the Washington Post and um, told me that there are um, several companies out there um, selling uh, uh, tracking for people or tracking of people. And um, so as you can see, I, I, didn't, I didn't come up uh, with the title of my talk myself, Locate, Track, Manipulate. It's actually the subtitle of a brochure by uh, Verend on their Skylock uh, product. And um, yeah, as it turns out, <coughs> companies are selling uh, that ability. And as you can see, um, it's very detailed tracking down city streets all over the world. And all you need is the phone number to, um, to track these people. And the journalist asked me how, um, because I, I had done uh, similar work on the subject, <coughs> how that would be possible. And I wanted to find out, but first, let's look at what Signaling System 7 is. Um, it's the protocol suit used by most uh, telecom network operators uh, throughout the world um, for the switches to talk to each other. Um, it was designed a long time ago, and uh, back then in the 80s, there were no mobile phones. Um, it was all just fixed line phones connected to a socket in the wall. So uh, there were no privacy implications and um, also there were only very few telecom operators, um, state controlled big uh, companies who each trusted, uh, who trusted each other. <clears throat> 
then came the mobile phones and um, new features uh, with them and so new, uh, new protocols ha uh, had to be added to SS7. So now you could take your phone everywhere you went uh, to other countries. Um, so roaming had to be implemented. You could send text messages. You have the internet. Um, so the mobile application part, MAP, um, was added that um, does all those things that mobile phones can do that fixed line phones cannot do. Then, even later, a new uh, protocol was added, added the camel application part um, uh, that allows operators to build uh, custom services that cannot be, uh, that are not possible with MAP, more on that later. <clears throat> and for none of these services, any authentication exists. So if you are in the SS7 network and you have a roaming agreement um, with other operators, uh, you can simply use these services and don't have to authenticate. Um, yeah, and getting access to SS7 is um, becoming easier all the time. <clears throat> it can simply be bought from uh, uh, telecom uh, operators, network operators, um, because if you are, I don't know, uh, if, if you plan on, on doing some SMS service or something like that, you might actually need SS7 access, so it can simply be bought. Um, usually, so... The, the SS7 access uh, as it is, is simply like an uh, internet access without an IP address. So um, uh, you still need the address, it's called a global title. Um, and you need roaming agreements that cover that global title so that your messages get rooted. Usually, but not always, sometimes it works without roaming agreements. And also several telcos are um, reselling global titles that are covered by their roaming agreements. Also, uh, network operators, it happens that network operators leave their SS7 equipment unsecured on the internet, um, and also there have been several reports of uh, femtocell hacking, and uh, femtocells are an extension of the core network, of the network operator's core network, into your home, so um, if you can hack femtocells, um, there's also a chance that you have access to SS7. Okay, quick overview over the protocol stack. <clears throat> Down there on the left side, MTP level one, um, that's um, the physical layer T1 or E1 lines um, back in the days. Nowadays, it's uh, often um, uh, rooted over IP. Um, but this talk focuses on SCCP, MAP, CAP, uh, the network layer and the mobile application part that implements all the features for mobile phones. Quick network overview. Um, okay, on the left and on the right, uh, you see the base station subsystem. This is the part our phones talk to with the uh, cell towers, the base station controllers, and so on. This is not the focus of our talk. The focus is um, uh, the core network of the operator. <clears throat> All the red lines you can see are SS7 connections, uh, so the operator's equipment uh, uses SS7, and also between operators, SS7 is being used. Um, one of the most important uh, network elements is the home location register. Um, that's a database containing all information on a subscriber, meaning his phone number, is it a prepaid or postpaid contract, uh, what is he allowed to do, data, text messages, calls, incoming, outgoing, are there any call forwarding set, and so on. And also the home database, the home location register, uh, knows um, 
which uh, mobile switching center, MSC, or VLR, Visitor Location Register, is currently closest uh, to a subscriber. So the Visitor Location Register, it uh, receives a copy of uh, the subscriber's data as soon as you switch on your phone uh, from the HLR. Um, and so, for example, there is for many networks, uh, so for example, uh, most networks will have one uh, switching center, one mobile switching center for Hamburg here. So we are all logged into the respective network switching centers for Hamburg right now. And that received a copy of your respective HLR, uh, of your subscriber data. <clears throat> so visitor location register and the mobile switching center is actually routing the calls. Um, it's always co-located uh, with the VLR, so I put them in one box there. So that two different logical entry entities, but uh, it's, uh, they also have the same address and it's mostly the same machine. Um, addressing is by global title. Um, global titles look just like international phone numbers on the left for German network, on the right for US network. Um, most of you, uh, if you have ever come in contact with a global title uh, for the SMSC back in the days when you still had to enter the SMSC on your phone by hand, then you entered the, um, the global title for the SMSC so that you could send for the short message service center so the, uh, that you could send short messages. Okay, so much for the quick overview. Um, now to cell level tra uh, tracking. So what, what those commercial providers are offering. <clears throat> The network, of course, needs to know your uh, position. It needs to know uh, which uh, base station or cell is uh, closest to you uh, because you want to receive calls, you want to receive short messages, and so on. So if somebody can find out the ID, so every, every base station in the world has a unique ID, um, if somebody can, fi can find out that ID, then he can use uh, that ID to look up its geographical position um, in one of several databases uh, on the internet. So for example, Google has a, has a very big uh, um, uh, cell ID database. <clears throat> and of course, especially in cities where the uh, cell towers are pretty close, um, the position or the location of uh, the cell tower closest to you is also a pretty good idea of, um, uh, of where you are currently. So, um, the commercial providers claim a coverage of um, about 70% of worldwide mobile subscribers, uh, meaning you don't have to be close to that subscriber, you don't have to know where he currently is, uh, you just need to know his phone number. Uh, some have some non-technical limitations, so for example from the Varent brochure, they say you cannot locate Israeli subscribers in Israel or US subscribers worldwide. Varent, by the way, is a US-Israeli company. Um, yeah, and so uh, Skylog, um, Infiltrator, they have all very nice names for their products. Okay, how does it look on the protocol level? Um, on the left, the attacker, um, he sends a map anytime interrogation request. So anytime interrogation is exactly for that purpose, for finding out the cell ID of a mobile subscriber. Um, 
uh, it's used for network internal purposes normally. For example, if you have a home zone so that you can uh, make cheaper calls if you're currently at home and so on. So that's what it's used for. But it can also uh, be used by attackers to find out the, um, the cell ID. So the uh, anytime interrogation goes to the home database of the subscriber and says, okay, please uh, let me know the cell ID and if you, if, you, if you want also the uh, IMEI, the, the phone serial number of that subscriber. And the home database doesn't know the cell ID, it just knows what uh, switching center uh, is currently serving that subscriber. So it sends a provide subscriber info request to the switching center. The switch pages, the, the mobile subscriber gets paged um, uh, so that the switch can be sure that it's really that it really got the the current the current cell, and the uh, information gets returned to the attacker. So it's really only meant as a network internal service, um, but still, as you can see, this is a Wireshark trace of um, uh, of uh, a request we sent, and um, uh, it still works for for many networks. Here you can see the cell ID at the bottom. Okay, but um, many networks, especially in Europe, most of the networks actually, or at least in Germany, all the networks block any time interrogation by now. But as, as we have seen before, the, um, the HLR, the home database, doesn't even know the cell ID. So we just need to find out the address of the switching center, and then we can ask the switching center itself. Also, we need to find out the IMSI, the International Mobile Subscriber Identifier uh, of the subscriber, because internally in the network, not phone numbers are, uh, are used for routing, but the IMSI. So, um, and luckily there's a request uh, for that. We can just ask the, the home database, the HLR, please tell me the, um, the IMSI and what switching center the subscriber is currently at. That's used for SMS routing normally. So if you, want, if, you are, if you are on a different network and want to send a short message to that subscriber. So the information is returned and then the attacker can uh, simply ask the uh, switching center itself and um, it works just like before. And that works really for a lot of networks because also, um, most uh, MSCs or switching centers uh, accept requests from just anywhere and anyone. So you would say, um, okay, if, if, uh, if there's an, a German subscriber currently in, at home in his German network, um, for example, and I don't know, uh, Indonesian network should have no business uh, querying his location. But the MSC or VLR doesn't, doesn't do any plausibility checks and uh, the request will get answered. Okay, so um, so to demonstrate this better, um, for for about two weeks um, we tracked some people who were nice enough to give me their phone number and said, "Okay, uh, uh, you can track me." And uh, let me see if I can show that to you. Yeah, okay, they're they're somewhere there. Uh, Okay, uh, 
Okay, my touchpad is acting weird. Um, okay, let's start. So, that's a Dutch subscriber who was, um, when I started uh, tracking him, who was uh, in Seattle. And um, we can... <laughs> As you can see down there are the times. Um, and yeah, okay, so he said he didn't use the ferry, so that's, that's on the water there. Uh, uh, that was a, 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 by the location database, gave me back a, a wrong position. But he said that's very accurately near to where he lives and where he works in Seattle. And um, so it continued for a few days. And then, Dutch subscriber. Um, for Christmas, as you can see down there, um, he flew back to the Netherlands. And let's see, we can really see. So here's Schiphol, and we can really see. So the next tracking was when he was on the train away from Schiphol. And um, then through the Netherlands, and uh, yeah, and he asked me to remove the last point of those uh, tracks because um, uh, he said that was too close to home. Um, okay, uh, some other. Uh, let's see. So here we can see very nicely somebody who lives in Luxembourg. Um, you can actually see him traveling down the Autobahn, then uh, stopping uh, somewhere, then continue traveling, and then um, after some time taking the, uh, taking the plane to Hamburg. wonder what's he doing there. And... <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so you can see uh, how he uh, traveled to the, to the Congress. Um, also, I know, I think you, you, got, you got the general idea. Uh, somebody living, living in Hanover. Or... Darmstadt, and also you can see pretty good where he took the autobahn, where he traveled, what route he took. Um, also to Hamburg in the end. So, and as you can see, it's really relatively precise. So, um, yeah. Um, this is possible for almost all of us. Um, so let me check. Okay. Uh, oops. And I think it's really scary because, I mean, you don't have to know somebody, you just have to know his phone number. Um, and um, 
uh, can track him from the other side of the world. You don't have to be near him, you, can, you just need SS7 access. And of course, um, those companies who are offering those services, they are saying uh, they're only offering those services to uh, government agencies and law enforcement and so on, but I don't know about you, there are many countries in the world, world whose governments I wouldn't trust with this functionality. Okay, then um, we talked to uh, one of the big German operators to, uh, about those problems, and they were really shocked finding, finding out uh, about that, um, and started monitoring the network, and uh, found a, a lot of traffic uh, um, that was carrying people's positions and other stuff. So then after a while they implemented some filters, um, um, filtering out the possibility to figure out the IMSI and the current mobile switching center. So, um, as we saw earlier, you need that. Um, you need to find out the IMSI, mobile switching center. So, they disabled that um, ability. And um, the traffic, the attack traffic dropped more than 80%. And they started to try and figure out um, what the traffic, where, where the traffic came from. So some of the traffic was simply misconfiguration in other networks that was quickly fixed. So then some commercial use cases, for example, a shipping company tracking its vehicles, and also um, uh, an SMS provider who provided a service for banks uh, sending mobile transaction numbers, one-time passwords, uh, as short messages to phones. And they wanted to check if the SIM card had been swapped, because a few years ago um, there was a case where criminals uh, swapped the SIM cards of their victims uh, and got the mobile transaction number. And so they, um, they wanted to check if the SIM card had been, had been changed to prevent that kind. But they were using a network internal service for that, and that was uh, also switched off then. And uh, some of those network operators that were contacted by the German operator, uh, they either didn't answer or said they didn't know about anything. So the German operator believes that um, uh, those were requests by state actors then or by uh, the network, by those other network operators themselves. And some of these attacks still persist, um, meaning um, those attackers need uh, other information sources. They somehow need to find out the IMSI of the subscribers, maybe they, need, uh, they know them from before, or they have other resources to find, uh, to find that out. And for the switching center, they can simply brute force it. They can simply brute force the number range. But yeah, those attacks still continue. Okay. Um, Okay, uh, this very quickly because we don't have so much time. Uh, in the US, um, there's a requirement that uh, if you call 911, phones have to be located um, very precisely. So there was a new feature added to map the lo location services that don't just return the cell ID, but an actual latitude and longitude. Um, and they can even return the GPS position of a phone. If it has a GPS receiver, it can be switched on and then returns its position uh, back to the network. Um, those emergency services, they use the GMLC, the Gateway Mobile Location Center, and um, that requires authentication, thank God. Um, so this is straight from the specification. You see up there um, the police 
uh, for example, is the client and it um, sends a LCS service request to the GMLC and that requires authentication. But as we have seen before, um, the switching centers, they don't care about authentication, don't know about authentication. So you can again send the um, uh, provide subscriber location request directly to the switching center. So um, in practice, that works uh, as seen before. Uh, just ask for the IMSI, ask for the switching center, then query the switching center directly. But as I wrote here, they implemented some funny kind of sender address verification because they said, okay, maybe those requests shouldn't be allowed from outside the network. So they wanted to, um, to verify the sender address. So the network and destination address uh, for map messages are in the SCCP layer. So this is how it looks. Um, calling party means the, the uh, equipment that uh, sends the message and called party, the, uh, for example, the uh, calling party, in this case, the HLR, the home location register called party VLR. And the problem is the SCCP layer doesn't know who is allowed to use map services or not. Um, so the solution is they have the sender of the message put in another copy of the sender address in the map layer. So responses will be routed to the calling party address up there, but verified will be the address down there. Meaning, if we tell the truth, put in the same address twice, we get back unauthorized requesting network. But if you just put in an address that looks similar to the network so that the network thinks it's an internal address, it works. So you get back the, um, the latitude and longitude. Okay, this is obviously not a GPS uh, position. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe that person was somewhere where GPS was uh, not available or something. <clears throat> okay, so now we have seen a lot um, about how it's possible to gather information from the MSC, um, but it's also possible to manipulate um, information there. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, So, um, you okay, so that was, it's just white there. Okay, the colors, it's, it's actually colored here on my display, but yeah. Um, so if you, if you um, remember uh, back in the beginning, I said when you switch on your phone, um, the home, your home database, the HLR transfers a copy of your subscriber data to the, to the uh, MSC or VLR. <clears throat> and the VLR from that point on controls everything you can do with your phone. But an attacker can also play uh, HLR and send, uh, uh, send a copy of the subscriber data as he modifies it to your uh, current switching center. Meaning he can enable or disable the possibility to make calls, incoming or outgoing SMS or data or delete the subscriber altogether from the VLR. Okay, and that, okay, another thing, new protocol, CAMEL, uh, the customized applications for mobile networks enhanced logic, nobody ever can remember that. Um, it's like an um, overlay over the usual map logic and um, it gives your network operator uh, the ability to say, okay, for example, if you are currently 
I don't know, you're a German subscriber, you're currently in France, um, your home network operator can say, hey, every time that subscriber from my German home network um, wants to make a call, contact the home network. It's the service control function. Con contact the service control function in the home network. So, and the service control function in the home network then decides if that call can continue or if the data will be modified or if it will be cancelled. <clears throat> so, on the left we have the uh, home network um, with the service control function. It sends the address of the service control function to the switching center because you as the German subscriber are currently in France, so it sends the address of the service uh, control function to the French uh, MSC and says, okay, contact me whenever uh, that subscriber of mine wants to make a call. Okay, then the subscriber wants to make a call and he forgets to add the, uh, the international country code before the phone number. He just dials, like, j just dials it like a German phone number and usually that wouldn't work because a French, uh, uh, French um, switching center doesn't know anything about uh, how German phone numbers work. But the service control function gets contacted, says, okay, your subscriber wants to call that number, what should I do with it? And the service control function rewrites it to the international number and then the call can be set up um, and the subscriber doesn't know anything about it, he just dials the number, like usually from Germany, and it works. So, but if you remember, the address of that service control function, it gets sent to the switch by the home database. So if the attacker can modify data in the uh, MSC, he can simply send a different address to the MSC, his own, his own global title. He can say, uh, okay, every time that subscriber uh, does anything, contact me. And he provides his own address. So now the subscriber there on the left, he wants to dial that number, that subscriber on the right. Um, he dials the number and the switching center now contacts the attacker. So the attacker now already knows the phone number the subscriber wants to dial. And then he changes that phone number to, a number, to the number of his recording proxy that he has somewhere, I don't know, it can be, it doesn't even have to have SS7 access, it can just be some asterisk box on the internet with, uh, with a publicly reachable phone number. Okay, the call will be set up to the, uh, to the recording proxy and will be bridged to the original subscriber. And then both subscribers can talk to each other while the attacker is the man in the middle and records the whole call. And so just a few days ago, I read about that um, this is actually happening. So I uh, heard of an um, Ukrainian network operator um, who found out that, um, that several of his subscribers' uh, calls had been intercepted and those requests um, came from a Russian SS7 network. So this is actually happening. 
Okay, so um, now we've seen a lot about um, the uh, switching center and its vulnerabilities, but the home location register uh, also has some vulnerabilities. So first, let's look at how um, what exactly happens if you travel to another region or country. So in this case, I said it's a different country, but it's, it's actually the same if you are uh, just traveling, I don't know, from Berlin to Hamburg in, and you're a German subscriber. So um, your phone sends a location updating request to the, to, the, uh, to the switching center, and that sends an update location request to the HLR. Uh, what happens then is the HLR saves the address of the mobile switching center because it needs to know where to route your calls, your incoming calls and your incoming short messages. It saves that address and sends, as I said before, a copy of the subscriber data to the switching center. So now, for example, some, somebody wants to send you a short message. Um, there on the left, the short message service center of that network asks your home location register, the home database, uh, please give me um, routing information for that uh, phone number, and it gets back um, the address of that uh, switching center there. And the can then send the short message to you. But an attacker can also send an update location request in your name. So it will send the update location request to, the, to your home database, to your home location register, and then the home location register um, will save the attacker's address. That means that, for example, again, the, uh, the bank sending a one-time password, uh, mobile transaction number, um, wants to send you a short message. Um, that short message now gets routed to the attacker without the subscriber knowing about that. So in the case, what, what I said earlier, that uh, there was the case of uh, criminals um, swapping SIM cards if they have had as a seven access, it would have been even easier for them. They wouldn't even have, have uh, to switch SIM cards. They could have just said, okay, I'm the subscriber now, send the short message to me. Okay, another thing, USSD codes, those star hash codes you probably know you have to enter in your phone sometime. They can also be executed uh, for other subscribers from an attacker. So um, not in Germany, but in several countries, um, carriers allow trans transfer of prepaid credits uh, via USSD codes. So you could just empty a victim's uh, prepaid um, account and send uh, all of his credits to, to your own number, for example. Also, call forwardings can be set and deleted, meaning um, uh, if I activate a call forwarding on your phone uh, to, for example, a premium rate number, and then call your phone for just the normal fee, um, you have to pay for the call to the premium rate number. That premium rate number would, of course, also be controlled by the attacker. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so, um, and you don't even have to, what I showed before, uh, where, you, where you tell the, uh, the home database that subscriber is now in my network, the attacker does that, the subscriber is now being served by me. You don't even have to do that. You can just, uh, uh, if the subscriber is a German subscriber at home in his German network, he can stay there, you can, uh, there's, uh, still, the, the German home database will say, uh, okay, I will execute that uh, USSD code for the subscriber or activate that, that supplementary service for the subscriber call forwarding or something like that. So, um, as you can see here, uh, we queried the uh, balance of a, a German prepaid card um, while it was logged into the German network from a network on the other side of the world. Okay. Um, so I guess this one uh, Carsten is going to talk about. Carsten, where are you? Sprichst du darüber gleich? Rufnummern rausfinden? Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, then. <laughs> um, You have to translate it to English. <laughs> okay, so um, this is, I, I call it hybrid attacks because um, So I call it hybrid text uh, because um, you have to hybrid, <laughs> right? Like like up there. Sorry. <laughs> Is this an actual human doing the translation or? Um, okay, uh, so hybrid attacks meaning um, you can capture the so over over the air interface if if the network wants to reach you so now really at the base station if if the network wants to reach you it sends you a paging request to your phone and uh, for that it uses a temporary mobile subscriber identifier that has been uh, introduced um, okay that. Identifier has to be transferred unencrypted, um, and the temporary identifier has been introduced so that you cannot find out who is currently making a call. So there's not being, you're not being paged by your phone number or by your uh, IMSI. It's a temporary identifier that should not be, that, uh, that should not be possible to de-anonymize it. But as it turns out, if the attacker just captures, um, captures all the paging requests, all the TMSIs, uh, for example, with Osmocom BB or something like that, um, he can then simply ask the mobile switching center for um, 
give me the uh, IMSI of that subscriber. And then you can do an update location request and find out the, uh, the MSI SDN, the, the phone number. So if you do that, I don't know, uh, in Berlin at the seat of the government, I don't know how, lo how long it takes until you get Angela Merkel's uh, phone number. Okay, uh, call interception. Carsten is going to talk about that in a minute, I'm sure. Um, LTE. So um, the SS7 network is used by GSM and uh, UMTS. Um, LTE is using a different protocol, uh, the diameter protocol uh, for the for the network core. Um, meaning SS7 is becoming a legacy protocol, but a lot of the um, SS7 design flaws have simply been ported to Diameter. So, for example, there's still no end-to-end -end authentication for subscribers. And also GSM and UMTS um, will still be around for a long time to come. Um, people say about 20 years, um, SS7 will still be in use. And also there are uh, interfaces from Diameter to SS7 to be able to make calls from LTE to uh, GSM, UMTS or the other way around. So, um, yeah, to sum it up, um, an attacker with only his victim's phone number can track his victim's movements in some networks, even with GPS precision. Uh, precision. Um, he can intercept his victim's calls and text messages and um, uh, most likely also data connections, also we didn't try that, uh, disable calls, SMS data, reroute calls uh, at the victim's, uh, victim's expense and more. So, um, what the operators can do against that? Um, network operators, so as I um, said in the beginning, um, you have to find out the, the IMSI and the mobile switching center to be able to manipulate the mobile switching center. And um, the main reason for network operators to give out that kind of information to external networks is um, for SMS routing. So there has been a, a new, well, yeah, a new way uh, around for quite some time now called SMS home routing, where the network operator uses an SMS router in the subscriber's home network so that it doesn't have to give out the actual uh, address, the global title of the switching center, but just um, the address of the SMS router. So, um, some of the German networks, for example, already use SMS home routing, so it's, uh, it becomes uh, a lot harder to figure out that kind of information then. Some don't yet. I hope they will soon. Um, and also uh, another, another um, uh, source of that information is uh, the send routing information request for, for voice calls. Um, but if the network operators don't use optimal routing, uh, they can also simply disable that for external networks, which some of the German networks, again, already did, some didn't do it. So you as the subscriber cannot really do anything because this works for, um, uh, works for all phones uh, which are connected to the network, no matter if it's a smartphone, feature phone, uh, you can't do anything because it's happening um, in the network. Um, okay, so now I've prepared a small demo. Um, 
let me just get that back to my screen here. Okay, I hope it works and I hope you can see something. If you can switch to the, yeah, thank you. Oh, it's, oh, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, so I'm, um, so this is a subscriber in a uh, German network and I'm uh, going to, he wants to call his friend on this phone. So, and as you can see, it works. The other phone rings as expected. So, well. Really? <laughs> yeah, a phone call, it worked, great. <laughs> that, that wasn't the demo. <laughs> yeah, very funny. <laughs> um. Yeah, I know everybody has the number now. <laughs> okay. Now I do some uh, SS7 magic. So I, I send an uh, insert subscriber data. I try the same thing again. I have the same number. And let me see if you can hear. Can you hear that? You can't, right? Okay, it says uh, for the for the dialed number, uh, um, call bearing has been activated. So um, the call, if, if you could just stop for a second calling that number, um, <laughs> the call simply doesn't go through anymore. So it won't work. Um, I can also switch it back on again if I if I dial again yep yep <laughs> as you can see it works it works now so and uh, another thing um, so the friend wants to call back uh, wants to call back so he dials the number Guys, stop calling for a second. <laughs> so he's calling food test. And the, oh, the call forwarding is still activated. Okay, so the call, <laughs> call arrives on that phone. Okay. I will switch it off. Okay. So, and I do the call again. 
Really? <laughs> okay, so um, the original phone rings like it should. Um, I, will, I will show you again because uh, that was, of course, now the, uh, the wrong way around. Uh, I will show you. Can you read that? Um, okay, so there's no call forwarding. Um, Activated. So, and if I activate it now and do the same request again, okay, now you can see the number for call forwarding that has been activated. Okay, um, yeah, that's it for the demo, that's it from me, thank you very much. Everyone, if you have any questions, please do line up at the microphones. If you're planning to leave, please do so now. Get up quietly and leave the room to make room for people who want to enjoy the next talk. Right now, you're only allowed to leave, so please do this now, quickly and quietly. So, we have a question from microphone number two. Thank you for the talk. Um, in the beginning, you said that uh, government agencies would be using uh, SS7 for so-called lawful interception. Um, and you said you wouldn't trust uh, the governments of some countries. Uh, just for completeness, could you name a country, a country you would trust? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I can't. <laughs> Thank you. If you're leaving, please do so quietly so we can still record the questions and answers. Thank you. Microphone number one, please. How did you get, gain access to the uh, SS7 network for the demo? Uh, I I rather not say. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, it's actually so. It's a um, yeah. It's it's a, uh, an access that has been borrowed to us uh, for the purpose of um, of security research. Okay. Microphone number four, please. Uh, hello, thank you for the talk. Um, my question goes into the um, finding out the location. I mean, the cell location probably is at no cost to the operator to um, you know, give that information out. But um, about the triangulation, is yeah. there a cost? Can this be done at scale for like, lots of uh, subscribers? or? I don't really know how, man, how many uh, were you thinking, but I, I, well, um, 
of course, it's uh, so it's it's been implemented for for uh, emergency services. So I guess there's always a lot of uh, emergency calls coming in, and uh, I think it can be done for for a lot of customers. I don't know what would happen if you do it uh, if if uh, all the subscribe or if you would do it for all the subscribers. But it, I think it can be done for a lot of subscribers. We also have a few questions from our Signal Angel relaying questions from IRC. Signal Angel, please. Test? Okay. So the first question is, um, how much would like a whole setup cost to track somebody's phone? Um, well, I would say a um, few hundred euros for the SS7 access if you buy it. Um, and then you need somebody to code the software or uh, um, you write it yourself. And if you write the software yourself and uh, somehow, I don't know, find somebody who hacked SS7-Access uh, via femtocell or something like that, it wouldn't even cost a thing. Another question from our signal angel, please. Okay. Um, that's a question, if you require direct SS7 access or um, would it be like enough to have like a hacked baseband mobile device something? Um, no, so uh, SS7 is really only uh, used in the core network, so um, meaning the phones don't have anything to do with SS7. So uh, uh, the phones uh, use the radio network and that, that isn't SS7, it's only used in the core network, meaning the switching centers, HLR, uh, SMSC, GMLC and so on, they, they use uh, SS7. Microphone number two, please. Thank you. Um, so I have another question regarding USSD. Yeah. Um, you were saying it's completely possible to spoof um, USSD messages as they are always targeted directly towards the HLR. Um, so, um, from what I dimly remember about that, there, there are two um, different uh, uh, fields that actually carry the, the, the uh, request issuer. Uh, can you spoof the entire message? Like, can you spoof all fields? Um. I'm not really sure, but um, uh, as you don't need an answer back, you can spoof anything you like. So that's that's also a thing uh, for all the uh, for all the messages where you modify something, where you just don't want data back. You can put an, in any sender you like, because uh, you don't need the answer back, and the the new data gets activated or the request gets executed as soon as it re, uh, as it arrives at it, at its destination. I'm not asking because of uh, protocol compliance, I'm asking because of verification, because from what I know, USSD is not only used for uh, like, uh, you know, your own uh, uh, subscriber account uh, credit level, but it's also used for payment solutions. And there I really see a massive problem if you could spoof the entire message. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for if, that. If it's, really, if it's really done over USSD, I think so, yeah. Microphone number one, please. Yeah. Uh, I had two questions. Uh, the first one was, uh, when you did location through PSI, uh, HI, uh, for the um, Washington Post guy, it was done uh, from an access that you paid, like an access, a website that you paid for to do it, or your own access? And if it was your own access, it was, a trusted GT, I mean, um, trusted GT contained into the uh, RAEX uh, IR21 uh, list or not? It, it, was, it was not uh, in IR21. Okay. So it was your own 
GT that you controlled, but it was not into the Rx IR21 list. Exactly. So um, IR21, by the way, is a way is. A set of documents by the GSMA, um, the um, GSM Association, um, that um, every operator puts his document there uh, that lists all uh, his global titles, uh, all the addresses, where to route traffic, where the IHLRs are, and so on and so on. And so usually you would say okay, uh, or would think that uh, if an um, Uh, if a global title or a sender address is not listed in the IR21, then you could simply discard it if you receive messages from it. Um, but in uh, practice, that's not the case. So in most most of the time, um, requests get also routed and answered if uh, your address is not in the IR21 document. Okay, thanks. Microphone number four, please. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you for your talk. Um, I want to be interested. Did you look also in the modified versions uh, for uh, emergency calls when I don't have an MZ uh, like a SIM in my phone or for the upcoming e-call which is used in cars? Uh, does that have some uh, amplifications to that as well? Is there trackable or I, something? I didn't look into that. I don't know. No. Ah, okay, thanks. Another question from our signal angel on IRC. Yeah, actually, I have quite a bit few questions, so I don't know. Um, but one question is, if there are um, any numbers about which countries are like doing the most tracking? Which, which countries do the most tracking? Yeah, uh, there's a question if you have any numbers about that. No, I, I don't. I, I also would be very interested in those numbers. If anybody has them, I would be very interested. Microphone number two, please. Yeah, um, I have the question if I have a working base transceiver station uh -huh. um, which worked for an, a, a GSM network. Is the SS7 assess information in this base transceiver station? No, no. Uh, so the, that's in the base station subsystem and that's, that's not SS7. So, okay. uh, SS7 will only be uh, used from the uh, switching center on inward to the core network. Okay, thank you. Microphone number four, please. Yes, hello. Uh, did your summary slide with uh, TMSI uh, requesting uh, also say that you could uh, decrypt the sniffed message, the sniffed phone call? Sorry, I, I didn't understand that. <laughs> uh, one of your summary slides was about uh, how you could uh, request an IMSI after you present a TMSI that you sniffed off the air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did that also say you could uh, then uh, decrypt the whole phone call by sniffing the air? Yeah, 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 but uh, uh, Carsten is going to talk about that uh, in a minute in ah. the next talk. So stay for the next talk and you will learn more about that. <laughs> okay, we have time for two more questions. Microphone number five, please. Hi, uh, thank, uh, thank you for, for your talk. Uh, I don't know if you have any virtual operators in uh, Germany, but uh, do they have access to the SS7 and if so, Uh, does the blocking that, uh, that you mentioned in your talk also apply to them? So, sorry, again, please? Uh, uh, virtual operators. Yeah, ah, um, okay. Yeah. Do they have access to SS7? Yes, uh, well, um, if, if they are real uh, MVNOs, then they do have access to SS7. If they are just uh, resellers, then, then not. But, um, for example, I think one of the very few uh, MVNOs in Germany is uh, Zipgate or Zimquadrat, and they, for example, uh, operate their own HLR. Microphone number six, please. 
Um, do you see this as a possible vector to trigger a phone to update the baseband firmware? Well, um, as you saw uh, in the beginning, um, you can not only request the cell ID, you can also request the uh, IMEI of the phone, so the serial number. So um, you can you can also figure out uh, what type of phone somebody is using, if it's an iPhone or uh, Galaxy S something, I don't know. So uh, if you want to uh, install a remotely install and exploit uh, on the phone, um, that's of course also easier uh, if you already know what uh, type of phone the person, your victim, is using. But are you aware of any uh, API functions uh, that are maybe part of Map or Camel that can be used to directly instruct the phone to like pull firmware from, from there or there? Uh, no, I think that would happen uh, on a different layer, not, not in SS7. Thank you. Okay, that's it. If you have any further questions for Tobias, please catch up with him after the talk. Um, please give a warm round of applause to Tobias Engel.